Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for being part of the remnant of true Bible-believing Christians, truth proclaimers and defenders. You guys are troublemakers for the kingdom of God. Thank you. I'm in good company, and I appreciate you guys so very much. Uh, Shout out to our friends listening across the country. We're going to talk a little bit about a conference taking place tomorrow in Green Bay, Wisconsin. But uh, And it's not available for live stream. You'll be able to get the video later. Uh, but I can't wait to talk about some of the topics and issues that are so important to the church today. But first, I often thank you guys so very much for sharing the podcast. As you know, if you're, it, by the way, if you're a new listener, I don't want to make any assumptions. Um, it's because of our listeners that we are getting out there and people are starting to share the podcast and find out about us and our guests and the topics and understand what's going on in the church. I think a lot of people have been uh, awakened due to COVID and the clampdown and religious freedom, what we've been enduring the last two, three years, but uh, at least they're finding out the truth and they're drawing closer to God. That's the most important thing, getting them back to church, uh, the right church, <laughs> which we'll be talking about today. Um, so thank you, guys. I just want to open up in prayer. Lord, uh, we praise you for your goodness, and we thank you for giving us another day with a healthy heart and lungs and, and uh, breath and, and life, everything you give us, Lord, um, and every good thing you give us. We, it's because of you, God. We thank you. We, we trust you in all things, even through the trials in life. We know that the testing of our faith develops endurance, and um, we ask that you give us wisdom as we will be going through harder times, very likely, in our communities, in our culture, in this country, the United States. And we ask that you'd strengthen our brothers and sisters, especially those who are listening right now, and help us to do the work that you've called us to do. And please give us a sense of urgency and help us redeem the time, Lord. We have no idea how close we are, I think, to your return, Jesus. And we look forward to that. We love you. We thank you for this day. Great is your faithfulness. And be glorified in this hour in in our lives today in Jesus' name, Amen. The Rooted Conference is tomorrow. Justin Peters and Mike Gendron in Green Bay. Deception, discernment, deliverance. Uh, it's going to be held at the Cup O Joy on Taylor Street in Green Bay. But we'd like you to register at Voice of Faith. Is it Voice of Faith Church dot org? Voice of Faith Church dot org. I think I have it in my notes here. So please register for the conference, guys, and. Uh, voiceoffaithchurch.com, like I said. Thanks, Crash. Um, a couple of headlines real quick that we will probably be talking about next week. The House of Representatives voted on marriage. Um, well, there's this immoral revolution, as you, you know, it's taking place in our culture. Why not in our government as well? Um, Tuesday, the U.S. House passed the so-called Respect for Marriage Act legislation that would repeal the Defense of Marriage Act which defined marriage as a union between one man and one woman. That's our House of Representatives. Um, and so this would require federal recognition for same-sex marriage nationwide. Sadly, 47 Republicans caved and joined the Democrats supporting the bill. Next, Merriam-Webster. No, not Webster's Dictionary. They changed the definition of female, uh, at least on their online version. They caved to the trans agenda in order to appease woke activists, and the dictionary publisher added a secondary definition of female, um, right next to, I think, you know, adult, human, female. Uh, it defines the term as having a gender identity that is the opposite of male. It's another definition. And finally, uh, a police have arrested a street preacher sharing the gospel during a pride event in Seattle. No surprise there, but we'll talk a little bit about that. But I want to welcome our guest today in studio. We're so blessed to have Justin Peters, author, evangelist, watchman on the wall. He's in studio in town for the Rooted Conference tomorrow, Green Bay, 9 to 5. And uh, Justin earned his undergraduate at Mississippi State University and then a master 
of Divinity at, and Master of Theology from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas. He and his wife, Kathy, now live in Bozeman, Montana. Justin Peters, welcome to Stand Up for the Truth. David, thank you so much, brother. It's and an it, honor to be here. And it's good to have you in studio. So before we get into some of this, and by the way, friends, just to give you an idea of the roadmap, um, and you can go to his website and print out frequent, Frequently Asked Questions uh, on Justice, Justin Peters' website, which is justinpeters.org. There are, before we get to five takeaways from a survey uh, finding a decline in Americans who believe that the Bible is the actual Word of God, this is this battle of inerrancy that's been going on for over a century. Um, we'll also talk about Christian music and worship and what we sometimes refer to as worshiptainment, how churches use worldly means to attract people to their church. And then what do you do when you get worldly people in your church? You got to do something to keep them there, right? Mm-hmm. So, Justin, I see a couple of things you're going to be talking about tomorrow. Um, first of all, um, dangerous doctrines, which is going to be tomorrow afternoon, and you're also going to be talking about the duty of discernment and hearing from heaven. So for those people that cannot make it that are from out of state, listening online perhaps right now or downloading the podcast later, share a little bit about what God put on your heart to present at the conference tomorrow. Sure, David. Well, um, I have a ministry of full-time evangelism, and I travel across the United States and internationally as well, preaching and teaching and and my first commitment is to exposition of Scripture, but that for which I'm most well known, I suppose, is a seminar that I've developed entitled uh, "Clouds Without Water." And Jude cloud- and Peter, right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. Jude and Peter, and uh, that's one of the ways in which Scripture refers to false teachers as mm-hmm. clouds without water. And my seminar specifically deals with the Word of Faith movement. Uh, that's the proper term given to a movement that's more commonly known as the health and wealth gospel, name and claim it gospel, the prosperity gospel, the belief that it's always God's will for a Christian to be wealthy. It's always God's will for a Christian to be physically healed. You should never be sick. Or if you do get sick, then physical healing is provided for as long as you have enough faith or as long as you sow enough seed into some minister's ministry. In other words, give him money. Sow mm-hmm. seed so you can reap a harvest. Yeah, uh, and this movement is un- unfortunately it's the face of Christianity around much of the world today. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of the prominent names in this movement would be Benny Hinn, Kenneth and Gloria Copeland, Jesse Duplantis, Creflo Dollar, Joyce Meyer, um, Joseph Prince, Andrew Womack, Joel Osteen as well. A lot of people don't think he's word of faith, but he is. And um, so I, I teach against this movement that this is th- these are false teachers. These are clouds without water. Um, and it's not that everything that false teachers teach is false. And that's what mm. makes them so dangerous. Actually, yes. Is and s- some of what they teach is right, but there's a, enough error and heresy mixed in with it to corrupt the entire thing. And and what a lot of people don't realize is that the word of faith movement, the prosperity gospel, is not just about health and wealth. The, the health and wealth is, uh, I, I describe it as just some of the bad, low-hanging fruit off of a rotten theological tree. The, mm. the word faith movement actually has, it, it teaches objective heresy, mm. uh, has a very aberrant view of God. Uh, they they demote God. In turn, they deify man. They have a very aberrant Christology, their view of Christ, have a very aberrant doctrine of the atonement. Uh, so it's it's a lot more to it than just Rolex watches and physical healing, which a lot of people think of. It's it's a, actually a, a different Jesus and a different gospel. Amen, brother. And people that are don't that are not familiar with the Bible, which is I don't remember. I mean, the, the percentage of Americans keeps going up and up. People that yeah. don't know what the Bible teaches, and then in the church, so-called, that don't have a biblical worldview. The, the numbers are just, they're not surprising to those of us who read the Bible. And, and they, we were warned, right? Something you said um, in Jude, uh, it's talking about, Jude talks about want, wanting people to contend for the faith, believers in Christ. And it says many of these false teachers have crept in unnoticed. You said subtle. Right. You said it's very subtle often. Yep. And to you and I, we go, 
we, we hear a line or a phrase and we're going, oh, come on, really? How can people buy that? But to the average person who is really not spiritually discerned, mm-hmm. um, it's easy to be deceived by this. So the, the, the idea of clouds without water, it's a, clouds promise rain. Share, right. share that concept a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. Clouds without water, the picture there that Jude draws for us is that false teachers have the appearance of having some nourishment, some sustenance, but no sustenance ever falls from them. They, they leave the ground below them dry and parched. So, yeah, that is the picture that Jude draws. And, and, uh, again, as I said, it's that truth mixed with error. Uh, Satan does not show up to us, red and scaly, with a bifurcated <laughs> tail carrying a hay fork. He, he's smarter than that. He disguises himself as an angel of light. Mm-hmm. And so the, the greatest threat from a spiritual standpoint to Christianity does not come from outside of Christianity. It doesn't come from Buddhism or Islam. The greatest threat spiritually to Christianity uh, comes from those who profess to be within the church, not outside of it. They're, they're wolves in sheep's clothing, clouds without water, hirelings. Um, yeah, that, that truth mixed with error is what is so very dangerous. I want to read in Jude um, more descriptors of these false teachers. Mm-hmm. Trees without fruit, doubly dead, yep. uprooted, wild waves of the sea, churning up their own shameful deeds, like dirty foam, wandering stars for whom the gloom of darkness has been reserved. Wandering stars. That's interesting too, isn't it? Because you can't, stars are fixed, right? But wandering stars, like a shooting, you can't fix any kind of, share a little bit about wandering stars. That's the great concept too. Yeah, well, uh, (laughs) false teachers are are not actually, they're not known for their doctrinal precision. Uh, They are... (laughs) Understatement. (laughs) Yeah, understatement. Yeah, they are, they are famously all over the map. Uh, they often contradict themselves. In in fact, um, David, there's, I, I tell people that, uh, be real careful with doctrinal statements even. I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of, precise, specific doctrinal statements. You can go to my website. I wrote my own doctrinal statements. So you're saying you didn't copy and paste it from another church. You, I remember exactly. you talking about that in the video. Yep, exactly. There's so many benign doctrinal statements out there. And, yep. and, oh, go ahead. Yep. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. Yeah, yeah. So many doctrinal statements that churches have are copied and pasted. In fact, I found one doctrinal statement that's being used by a large uh, well, it's First Baptist Church Orlando, and, and uh, who, that church is actually baptizing homosexuals right now. Uh, but it's a copied and pasted doctrinal statement that literally hundreds, if not thousands, of churches are using of all different mm-hmm. doctrinal stripes and denominations. Uh, so, yeah, so there's a lot of churches that teach against their own doctrinal statement. Gosh. So it's... Um, so are you saying that particular church may have something in their statement about marriage between one man and one woman and yet what Oh yeah. Doing? Really? Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. You did a video on that and it was like a 2-hour video recently, uh, right? Yep, and who is the gentleman you did that with from Orla- from Florida? Yeah, Casey Butner. He's a pastor in uh, outside of Orlando, Florida. So one of the good guys. One of the good guys. Yeah. <laughs> Sound in doctrine. Yep. Tell us, for those listeners that are not familiar, they may remember the, the Pulse nightclub, uh, the tragedy yeah. in Orlando. If you could just sum up, because there's a lot we want to talk about, but this is important because of the promotion, exaltation of pride and the whole LGBTQ agenda. What are they doing in that particular church? Yeah, so the Pulse nightclub, of course, this was a, a gay homosexual nightclub. And six years ago, there was that shooting, and I, th- I think it killed 51 or 52 people. And uh, so First Baptist Orlando had a memorial service for the family and friends of the victims of the Pulse nightclub shooting. And I've got this on video, but they had a, several different preachers come in. And one of the preachers, uh, I think his name was David Mills, if memory serves, but he um, he got up and he actually identified the chief cornerstone in Scripture, which is Jesus. He said the chief cornerstone is the LGBTQ community, which is just shockingly, wow, shockingly wow. heretical. Um, what did he base that on? I can't imagine. Nothing. Nothing. I mean, it's a, 
You know, he t- he oh, takes a phrase, goodness. he takes a biblical phrase, the chief cornerstone, which is per- perfectly biblical, but he identifies it as as the homosexual, quote unquote, community. And now, wow. granted, it wasn't the pastor of First Baptist Orlando that said that, but the pastor of First Baptist Orlando, David Youth, was there. And if it had been my church and that had been said from my pulpit, I would have yanked that guy out of the pulpit and profusely apologized mm. to everyone there and before God uh, for such blasphemy. So anyway, but this church, um, <clears throat> David, this church is a is Southern Baptist church, and they're baptizing open homosexuals. So this must not be a new thing at that church, a new belief or a new support for the yeah. gay community. Yeah. So what does the Southern Baptist Convention think about that when they have churches that go off the rails like that where is there accountability (laughs) and i know this we could do a three-hour podcast (laughs) well uh yeah full disclosure i used to be southern baptist i was born and reared southern baptist went to southern baptist Mm. seminary but i'm not anymore Mm. i'm out of the sbc for those reasons sadly yes for those reasons the sbc is is such a a doctrinal drift and doctrinal decline that's uh, I, i just cannot in good conscience remain is nothing sacred anymore the baptists you know the baptists are compromising yeah oh lord Um, well friends we're with justin peters and if you want to hear him and see him in person if you're in the green bay wisconsin area fox cities he'll be speaking tomorrow at the cup oh joy um the conference is called rooted rooted in christ 9 a.m to 5 p.m mike gendron who we had on the podcast yesterday everyone knows or has Catholic friends or family members or your neighbors. Listen to Mike Gendron, what he had to share yesterday in the podcast, and check out that uh, conference if you can tomorrow. If you want to get information, you can go to voiceoffaithchurch.com. It is free. It is free. It is free. You can register, and Justin Peters will be there, and they'll be alternating with, he'll be alternating with Mike Gendron. Okay. Um, did we finish the Southern Baptist Orlando or the, the, okay, we finished that. I think so. <laughs> now we need to get into something, and this is part of the problem. If we go back 100-plus years, maybe you have more uh, research on this than I do. I remember one of my books called The Cost of Our Silence. I wrote about this a divide in the Protestant church about 100 years ago, 19, 1922. There was a debate about the inerrancy of scriptures, and one of the key doctrines was, I believe, the virgin birth of Christ. Yeah. And that was being debated and uh, thank God some people were refuting the left, and basically they were just like liberal Christians that are trying to promote, and it, the whole battle comes down to inerrancy. A yeah. new article I just pulled off of the website last night, and we want to touch on, you guys are not surprised by this, most of you, takeaways from this survey about the decline in um, Americans who believe the Bible is the actual Word of God. Uh, Justin, uh, we know it's all over Scripture, Second uh, Timothy three, First uh, Peter chapter one, talking about the prophetic word, Holy Spirit driven, inspired uh, men um, that, that were spoke, driven by the Holy Spirit. Jesus talks about the perfection of God's word. Share a little bit of, about this important concept that we better get down because that's being attacked inerrancy of scriptures. Oh yeah, it, it certainly is being attacked, and um, even kind of to touch back with the SBC, the SBC is a denomination that has affirmed, at least theoretically affirmed, inerrancy, but has said nothing about sufficiency of Scripture, and and so that's another thing that uh, that we have got to recover is is the sufficiency of God's word. But but yeah, you see these statistics, uh, just twenty percent now believe the Bible is a literal word of God, down from thirty percent in twenty eleven, so ten percent drop, which is a lot. Yep. In, in so ten percent drop in roughly ten years. It's the uh, way of culture. It's the way yeah, of the world. It, if 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 the if the Bible is not inerrant, then it's not the word of God. If it's not inerrant, it's not the word of God because yeah. Scripture is. It claims of itself that it is theonoustos in the Greek that God breathed. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for for training, correction, training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be fully equipped, equipped thoroughly equipped yes. for every good work. So, um, yeah, if, if if the Bible is not inerrant in everything that it teaches, um, the, the history of it, uh, if it's not inerrant, then it, it's not 
reliable. I can't, you can't call it the word of God because God is perfect and his word is perfect. Amen. Read Psalm, uh, 119. Absolutely. <laughs> and yeah. really, I, that's one of, you know, it's the longest in the Bible, but it's one of my favorite Psalms because it just talks about the giving God the glory for his word and the perfection and the majesty of his word. So we've got a lot more to talk about, but this is foundational, friends. Inerrancy is being attacked. Uh, there, Sadly, there are a lot of churches that don't believe that. But then I'm thinking, well, how can you believe other parts of the Bible? They believe in salvation, right? Anyway, we've got a lot more with Justin Peters coming up. The website, justinpeters.org. He's in Green Bay, Wisconsin tomorrow for the Rooted Conference. More, we're talking about Christian music and worship coming up as well on Stand Up For The Truth. Keep it right here. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Our guest in studio, Justin Peters and Kathy. If you're listening to this recording, the podcast, we're shouting out to you. He's looking good. He's looking like he's somewhat rested, unlike you. I heard you were up late last night. I told him before we got on the air, uh, you shouldn't be partying so hard at your age. And now let me clarify the context. You, you got visitors from out of town because listeners yeah. are going, wait a minute. Justin's wife is partying? No. Oh, no. no. She was just up late. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so hi to Kathy. Uh, before we get into a very important topic that we can all relate to, and that's Christian music, uh, sometimes these days now you have to put Christian in quotes, meaning it's just an alternative to some of the garbage and the trash that you hear here on secular radio. Um, but I want to talk about something very fascinating about your conversion uh, testimony. It starts off by saying you were saved as a preacher. And you you say you were supposedly saved and baptized at age seven. And I would love for you to just condense that for our listeners and save, because I think it's it, you make some very important points about childhood conversion. Right. So please share, Justin. Sure, David. So I was uh, reared in a Southern Baptist church, and as is typical with Southern Baptist um, churches, uh if you're nine years old and you haven't yet been baptized, you're over the hill. Uh, so it's, <laughs> you know, most kids are six, seven, eight years old when they're baptized in Southern Baptist churches. I was one of them. And I I had intellectual assent to the gospel. I, I believed the basics of the gospel. I believed in Jesus, just like I believed in Santa Claus. He was real <laughs> to me, too, at age seven. Uh-huh. And I tell people there's a big difference between a childlike faith in a childish faith. Mm. I had a childish faith. Such an important point. Yeah, it's a huge, huge difference. Uh, but, uh, you know, I prayed the sinner's prayer and, and got baptized. And uh, so in Southern Baptist churches, typically, there's no uh, call to examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. You just pray a prayer, walk the aisle, get mm. baptized, and you're good to go. You're in the club. And so um, uh, rock along. Uh, Went to see, I was born with cerebral palsy. I went to see faith healers when I was 16 in hopes of being healed. And um, that's kind of what led me on uh, the, the, the track that I'm, that I'm on now. But, um, David, long story short, people can go to my website, read the full yes. testimony like, like you pulled up. But uh, I, I, went, I actually went to seminary, and I wasn't truly converted. I thought that I was because when I was seven years old, I prayed the sinner's prayer and got baptized, so I thought I was saved. But uh, I wasn't truly converted. I, and I knew that something was wrong, but I didn't know what was mm. wrong. There mm. were times that I would uh, preach at a church, and for the most part, what I was preaching was right. Um, my theology has improved a lot since then, but um, by God's grace. But for the most part, what I was preaching was right. But I never had any lasting assurance of my own conversion. Hmm. There were times I would preach, and then I'd at that night I'd lay in bed staring at the ceiling, worried that if I were to die, I would go to hell. Wow. Yeah, I just never had any lasting assurance. I was just riddled with doubts about my conversion. And uh, one of the main things for me, I, I, I tell people it this way, I had pockets of truth, but I couldn't really connect the dots. And there seemed to me to be a massive inherent contradiction within the gospel itself that I could not understand. Even as a graduate of seminary, I couldn't understand. Hmm. And it was basically this. On the one hand, we say that salvation is not of works. 
and that I understood. I mean, I understood I couldn't work at the soup kitchen and work, you know, earn my way into heaven, help little old ladies across the street, even though I'm crippled, couldn't do that anyway. But, <laughs> but uh, I, I, uh, I, I got that, that salvation is not of works. But then, on the other hand, when we tell people uh, how to be saved, we tell them to repent, which is doing a work in in my theological background, in my more Arminian kind of. Um, so I thought that repentance was something that I had to do, hmm. you know, that I did. I had to muster it up to repent, you know, and turn myself from sin and um, you just kind of muster it up and, and will yourself to do it. So how, on the one hand, can we say salvation is not of works, but on the other hand, to be saved, you have to repent, which was doing a work. Mm -hmm. And to me, it seemed to be a, just a hopelessly uh, irreconcilable contradiction in the gospel. And uh, what I did not understand, I, I didn't understand what repentance was, mm -hmm. what true biblical repentance. And and by God's grace, uh, he granted, for one thing, real repentance, biblical repentance, is in and of itself granted by God. God grants repentance. It's not something we can do on our own. It's a gift of God. Acts chapter 5 says that. Acts chapter 11 says that. 2 Timothy chapter, chapter 2 says that. Uh, God grants repentance. So repentance is <clears throat> a work, but it's a work of God. It's not a work we do. It's a work that he does in us, in us and through us. And, and when God grants repentance... Our minds are changed, but everything about us has changed. Our desires are changed. Our affections are changed. We begin to love what God loves. We hate what God hates. Uh, we have a love for the brethren. And, David, I don't want to go too long. That's but, okay. But real quickly, one of the key differences, and this is something else I did not understand, one of the key differences between a true believer and a false professor of Christ, someone who thinks they're saved or maybe professes to be saved but really isn't, is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, and that is a godly sorrow over sin. Mm. The Bible speaks of two different kinds of sorrow over sin, a worldly sorrow and a godly sorrow. They're both found in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Paul says that a worldly sorrow leads to death, mm. eternal death, but a godly sorrow leads to repentance unto salvation. So a worldly sorrow is nothing more than a guilty conscience, mm. and everybody has that. Uh, a worldly sorrow is the kind of sorrow that says, what would happen to me if my sin were exposed? What would be the consequences to me? And so we try to cover up our sin, not because we grieve over it, but because we don't want the consequences mm. of it. You know, what would... What would happen to me if people knew what I was looking at on the computer, you know, when I think I'm by myself and mm -hmm. nobody else is watching? Right. You know, that, and, and you try to cover that up. So that's a worldly sorrow, and a worldly sorrow leads to death. But a godly sorrow is when we grieve over our sin mm -hmm. because we understand that our sin grieves God. Mm -hmm. it, it grieves him, his person. And... I tell people, just as much as we should want a Savior from hell, and we should, it's good and it's right to warn people to flee from the wrath to come. Mm -hmm. But just as much as we should want a Savior from hell, we should want a Savior from sin. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people who want a Savior from hell, a get-out-of-hell-free card. Yes. But they don't want a Savior from sin because deep down that's what they really want. Yeah. But if you're truly a Christian, you you don't seek after sin. You don't relish it. You don't plan it. You don't schedule it. You don't look for opportunities to sin. As a Christian, when you sin, it grieves you. Mm -hmm. So if you want a Savior from hell but not a Savior from sin, then you have a Savior from neither. Mm -hmm. And that is one of the, one of the key differences between a, a false professor of Christ and a genuine believer. We know a lot of people in our own churches that um, maybe if we saw them during the week and didn't know them, we might not know they're Christian by yeah. the way they live their right. lives or uh, just right. lifestyle. And, and it, if you are authentically converted yeah. and, and saved, it naturally produces, you will produce good fruit. Yes. Right? Didn't Jesus yeah, say, yeah. I have chosen you and appointed you to go and bear fruit? That's right. Um, That's right. But we can't do that on our own. Otherwise, it just works. I mean, a lot of people yeah. do good works, like you said. 
Oh yeah. Um, but thank you for for talking. It's it's a deep. I'm I'm a slow processor, so I'm thinking about that the different repentance because it does take our taking a step forward. It is a step of faith and believing first that okay, I I no understanding. I need to repent, isn't it? Yeah, it comes with. Uh, I mean, conviction of the Holy Spirit. You know that is that the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin and of our uh, of our need for Christ. Yes, but it is that. Uh, but He also regenerates, and He is the one who who grants faith and grants repentance. And that repentance will always, as you were just saying, it always bears fruit. Mm-hmm. There, you cannot go from being dead in sins to alive in Christ, and there not be a change. Mm. It, there, there will be a change, a dramatic change, yes. and a change that will be evident to other people. Yeah, if we, are, if we are new creations, oh my goodness, yes. the old things are gone. Yes. <laughs> um, so let's transition now. By the way, we're with Justin Peters this morning. He's in studio. Uh, praise God, he's going to be speaking tomorrow at the Rooted Conference in Green Bay. It's going to be held for those of you locals at the Cup O Joy. Uh, venue. There's uh, several different rooms there in that building, and uh, they're having Mike Gendron come in also with Justin, and you can get information on that at voiceoffaithchurch.com. You can register, and it is free. Um, so one thing we really need to talk a lot about is music and worship music, and I got a pulled off an article from gotquestions.org. Um, it says, can a Christian worship God? Using music from a church with unbiblical teachings. And I want to say, Justin, I, I don't remember what year this was, probably three years ago. I don't know. But when you and Todd Friel were at, I believe, NRB, uh, was, that was in Nash Vegas, right? Actually, that was at the G3 conference oh, G3. in Atlanta. Okay, yep. Atlanta. So yep. the title of the video, I encourage you guys, we'll, we'll put it in the podcast post at standupforthetruth.com. Why your church shouldn't play Bethel and Hillsong music? Oh, oh, no, no, no! Don't turn us off yet. Wait, wait, <laughs> wait till you hear what Justin shares about this because it is a touchy subject. It is some music is one of those things. Well, especially worship music on Sunday. But we, I'm, I want to just put this forward, friends, and let Justin elaborate. We like to be entertained and we like to feel good. We like to believe that when we're worshiping God, we just want to have that emotional experience and that God, God's going to bless us. We like to hear those good things. But we're not exalting Jesus Christ and the Lordship of Jesus Christ and pointing to God when we're saying, bless me, bless me. So many worship songs, the lyrics are, they're geared to point to us. Yep. And some of them are even this, you go off even down this left road of romanticism. Yeah. Uh, so, Justin, just give us a couple of thoughts, and then we'll get into some lyrics. But whatever you would like to share from your heart about this. And we've pulled, by the way, you guys probably don't know this because you don't pay attention to every song. The radio station that we are housed by here at Stand Up For The Truth, it's called Q90FM. We've pulled our Bethel and Hillsong. We used to play those years ago, but once we got into the lyrics and then the movements and then the leadership of these churches, we could not honestly play this music in good conscience. So share your heart about the importance of of theology and theologically sound worship lyrics. Right. Yeah, first, good for y'all for doing that. Good for y'all for doing that. So Bethel, music, and Hillsong, and and throw in with that elevation music too, Stephen Furtick. These are, well, in in short, these are cults. Okay, that's going to sound real harsh. It may be jarring to a lot of people listening, but this is my this is my wheel well. This is what I've studied for over twenty five years. Uh, this is word faith theology, exactly the thing we'll be talking about at, the, or at least I'll be talking about at the conference. Uh, aberrant view of God, aberrant view of Christ, the promise of health and wealth, mm. your best life now. That's kind of the 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 theological. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that these songs uh, are drawn from. Uh, Bethel is out in Bethel, uh, a Bethel Church in Redding, California, which is it, it's actually even beyond Word Faith. It's it gets into New Apostolic Reformation, which is even worse than Word Faith is. And the occult. And the occult. By the way, yeah, I mean grave soaking, uh, manufactured signs and wonders, fake signs and wonders. You look at the Bethel School of Supernatural mis- min- uh, Supernatural Ministry. And that's their college out there where they train students to to do signs and wonders. I've heard it described as Hogwarts of 
it's the Hogwarts of Christianity. Wow. And it really is. It's like a Christian Hogwarts. It, a reference it, to the occult and Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah, Harry Potter. Not that I'm a fan, but yeah. <laughs> We've talked so, a lot about that. And the public schools, by the way, they teach, they have Harry Potter curriculum. Anyway, go ahead, yeah. Justin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bethel, Bethel is a cult. Uh, and, and what they teach doesn't even work for them. And I take no joy in saying this, but they, they teach that it's always God's will to be healed. As long as you have faith, as long as you make the right positive confessions. In fact, uh, Bill Johnson, the the pastor of Bethel Church, he says, quote, I refuse to create a theology that allows for sickness, end quote. I mean, that's just one of thousands of wow. quotes I could get. So under God's sovereignty, there is sickness oh, and disease in yeah, this earth. They have no understanding, no concept wow. of God's sovereignty at all. Hmm. But tragically, just uh, a few days ago, four or, four or five days ago, Benny Johnson, Bill Johnson's wife, died of cancer. So he he couldn't heal his own wife. And, and Benny Johnson has written books on healing, mm-hmm. and yet she died of cancer. So what they teach doesn't even work for them. And if what they teach doesn't work for them, that ought to be a clue to them that there might be something wrong with what they're teaching. And it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a heretical movement. Hillsong is the same way. Bill Johnson speaks at Hillsong conferences, uh, vice versa. Hillsong is kind of the, uh, it's kind of the, maybe the lighter, fluffier version of word faith, but it still is word faith. But Hillsong is, it's cut from the same theological cloth. And Hillsong, infamously now, is just riddled with sexual scandals. It's been all over the news, a documentary done on it, going all the way to the top. Brian mm-hmm. Houston himself, all the way to the top. It's a, it's a moral cesspool. And yet, we're going to sing the music that comes from that in worship of a thrice holy God? Oh, gosh. I, that is beyond me. God is spirit. He must be worshiped in spirit and in truth. He is thrice holy. God cares about how he is worshiped. Uh, and there is no one on the planet who's going to convince me that God is okay with us singing music, even if some of the lyrics would pass a basic doctrinal smell test, and some of them do. Some of them don't, but some of them do. <laughs> uh, no one's going to convince me that God is okay with singing music that comes from that, comes from a cult that preaches a different Jesus and a different gospel, and use that to worship him. Mm. God is not okay with singing music that comes from a cult that has a different Jesus mm. that that demeans his own son, diminishes the deity of Christ. God's not okay with that. And when you put the lyrics uh, up on Sunday morning, uh, you know, in your church, and up, it's up on the screen, and you're singing, you know, Reckless Love, or you're singing one of these other songs, oh. and, um, and you're, and, or maybe you're singing a song that has lyrics that are okay, you know. But what, what do people see in the fine print at the bottom of the screen, Music by Bethel, music by Hillsong. And they get money from that, don't they? And they get money from that, yeah. So wow. you're literally funding a cult. Yeah. You're funding a cult. And people sitting in the pew, uh, do we need to take a break? Yes, okay. we need to continue this. These are okay. these are strong words. For some of you that haven't heard this before, you're going to think, wait a minute, we're, we can't uh, judge, we can't throw out the baby with the bathwater, right? Yeah. And I, I hate that expression, uh, yeah. but we're going to talk about that when we come back with Justin Peters and we'll get into some specific worship lyrics and song lyrics of Christian songs and make us think about what these songs say and what we are actually singing on a Sunday morning. And we've got to be a little bit more diligent in selecting our songs and also be more discerning. Uh, More with Justin Peters when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. JustinPeters.org is the website. Go check it out because you will find questions, frequently asked questions such as, do you believe God still physically heals today? Do you believe in the spiritual gifts? Do you believe women can be pastors or leaders in the church? We've talked about that, and I'd love to 
to be continued. We're going to get you on the phone uh, next month or so. Um, when did the gifts of tongues and prophecy cease? Are you a Calvinist? And then on false teachers. So many questions. I, in fact, I was going to ask you the deep theological question at the beginning of the podcast. Could you please define the word woman? But we won't. Put you on. We won't put you on the spot and stump you. That's uh, a hard one. Yeah, that's yeah, a, yeah, yeah. And that's sad in this day and age that we, yeah. we're having this conversation. By the way, I really encourage you guys to check out Matt Walsh's The Daily Wire's documentary, "What Is a Woman?" Um, guys, it is astounding what some of the quote experts in colleges and universities, and even doctors in the medical field, are saying. Uh, you can tell they're contradicted. You can tell when they know they've got to keep backing this up, but. There's just anyway, that's for another time. But Justin Peters, let's continue to talk about worship and lyrics and throwing the baby out with the bathwater because a lot of people would say, Here's a song, I'm looking at it, it sounds good, it's a really catchy worship song, the lyrics are good. And why does it matter if it comes from Bethel or Hillsong? Because maybe they are corrupt, maybe what you say is right about their theological direction. But what about smaller churches, maybe that have Bethel in their name, because uh, some of them do, and maybe we're just singing the song, but we're not really pointing to the church. Yeah, well, there the bathwater is so dirty that there's no baby that could survive in it. So, uh, yeah, the, <laughs> I don't like that phrase. Throw the baby out with the bathwater. I can't stand it. it. It's filthy. <laughs> it's filthy, putrid water. Uh, but to your point, yes, some of the songs do pass a basic doctrinal smell test, but that is not an excuse to sing the music because Bethel and Hillsong and Elevation, they use their music as their primary tool of evangelism. That's how they broaden their tent. I mean they draw They people. draw people in. They use that their music as a hook mm-hmm. to pull you into yeah. their false theological system. And so when the unsuspecting person sitting in the pew on a Sunday morning is looking up at the screen and they see the lyrics of the, song, of the song they're singing and in the fine print they see music by Bethel, music by Hillsong, music by Elevation. Oh, wow. Well, uh, you know, I, I, they must be okay. We're singing their music, so I, I think I'll check them out. And I've seen video, uh, Bill Johnson in an interview, and he actually admits that they use their music to bring people into their to their church and their mm-hmm. false theological system. So, yeah, that's um, it, it's it's not okay. You know, as we were saying at the, as the interview started, uh, one of the things that makes false teachers so dangerous is that not everything that a false teacher teaches is false. Some of it is right. Yeah. But it's that mixture of error and heresy. So, yeah, they're, when they write music for churches to sing on Sunday morning, they're not going to write a song that, you know, flat out, denies the deity of Christ because they know that churches wouldn't sing it. So they're going to write songs that will mm. pass a basic doctrinal smell test yep. to get you to sing it and to expose all of the people in those churches, every single one of them, to their theological system, to pull them in. And um, one of the pastor's most sacred duties, well, Paul says it in Titus, Titus chapter 1, verse 9. He says, teach sound doctrine and refute those who contradict Ooh, that second part we we don't really follow up on that. that's part. right yeah don't don't follow up on that one yeah. you know don't don't listen to that don't obey that phrase but refute those who contradict a pastor is to shepherd his flock and one of the biggest responsibilities of a shepherd is to protect his flock from the wolves so by singing bethel and hillsong and elevation not only are we not protecting our flocks from the wolves we're inviting the wolves in. We're putting the wolves on our screens on Sunday morning, and we're inviting them to prey upon our flocks. And it is just a, a stunning lack of discernment that so many churches uh, have when they when they sing this music. And another aspect of this, another wrinkle to it, is that if a church is doing what it's supposed to be doing, according to the CCLI licensing agreements, when you sing... Um, piece of music that's copyright or licensed, then you're supposed to be sending money in to the CCLI organization, which in turn sends money out to the whoever wrote the music. Mm-hmm. So when you when you sing Bethel and Hillsong music, you need to know that you're sending money to a cult. You're funding a cult. 
you're funding an organization that preaches a different Jesus, a different gospel, is leading literally millions of people down the primrose path straight to hell, and they're doing it all in the name of Christ. And that's what you're funding. So God is not okay with that. He is holy, holy, holy. Worship is about God. It's not about us. It's not about what we like, what kind of music we like, how it engages our emotions, if it gives us goosebumps on our arms. It's not what worship is about. But that's a lot of them use this. It's it's, it's addicting. Some of the worship is you get those goosebumps. It's an emotional response. And it could be just to the instrumentation. Could yeah. be the beat or the music Absolutely. without even the vocals coming in, and then the repetition, repetition, repetition yes. of certain things, and that that it just has always given me the I don't know yeah. it, it's it's the, what's the right word heebie-jeebies I don't know yeah yeah <laughs> you know when they're they're repeating certain phrases I'm going Wait, I'm I'm not even sure if that's biblical some but of these songs can last I've I've watched it on TV <laughs> some of these songs can last fifteen minutes one song fifteen minute long. Now, not the version you sing in church on Sunday morning, but right. when they do it at their church, mm-hmm. yeah, you can have a song that's 10, 15 minutes long. It's over mm-hmm. and over and over repetitive, and it's, it's, it's emotional manipulation. So when people like the song at church, they can go out and buy the CD or whatever, look for the song online, and that's, it just spreads that way. Um, you said something about discernment, and wasn't it, wasn't it Spurgeon who said discernment is not the difference between right and wrong necessarily. It's the difference between right and almost right. Wasn't that Spurgeon? Yep. I'm glad I remembered that. It was Spurgeon. All right. Short-term memory, or I guess long-term memory. So Philippians chapter 1, there's a verse here talking about proclaiming Christ out of selfish ambition rather than from pure motives. Um, It says, verse 18 what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And I guess they argue. Is that that correct? Uh, people from Bethel or Hillsong, they argue from that angle. Well, at least we're pointing to Christ. Except they're not. They're they're oh they're pointing to a Jesus, but not the Jesus. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the points I make in my seminar: is that it's not enough to just quote unquote believe in Jesus. Because Mormons believe in Jesus, Jehovah's Witnesses believe in Jesus. Demons believe. Demons believe. <laughs> and shudder. <laughs> Muslims believe in Jesus, mm. but they don't believe in the right Jesus. Amen. They have a different Jesus than the Jesus of the Bible. And the Jesus that is being preached from Bethel is a different Jesus than the Jesus of the Bible. Mm. So a couple worship song lyrics, guys, because we could talk more and more about this. Uh, but I think we need to just give a couple of examples here. Um, one of them, if I can find my notes. Where did I put it? Here it is. <laughs> um, now, this is by Carrie Job. Um, I think the song is Amen, uh, Simple Gospel. Wonderful words affirming the gospel, but it ends with this, may, uh, maybe a false message of hope. Uh, it says, this is the last stanza of the church. Now, this is Almost like the uh, best life now. Everything's positive, positive, positive. Just visualize. No, but but this is this is the lyrics. The church will arise with power and love. Our cities will know the glory of God. The future is bright. There's nothing to fear. Revival is now. The kingdom is here. I'm sure you picked out a few things, Justin, <laughs> yeah. that you can. Well, it it, it rhymes. I <laughs> guess it's got that going for it. It rhymes. But um, yeah, that's. <laughs> uh, Nothing to f- say it again. The 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 church. Oh, here we go. Yeah, here we yeah. go. Okay. The church will, but the it, church it, will rise yeah, with power yeah. and love. Yeah. Yep, yep. So, well, I mean, the so this is this seems to the the future is bright. Well, the Bible doesn't paint a pretty picture of the spiritual climate as time goes on. Things no, are not doesn't. going to get better. This seems like almost kind of like a well, almost like Dominion theology. Yeah. Really. Well, but, Dominionism. Yes. Yeah. Dominionism. Yes. Um, but the, things are not going to get better. They're going to get worse. I mean, think, men will grow from bad to worse, imposters deceiving and being deceived, Second Timothy 3. So um, it, persecution is going to increase big time, and we're not used to that here in this country. We're seeing, no. we're seeing little you know, hints of it yeah. with, like, getting kicked off of Facebook and stuff like that. <laughs> but we don't face the kind of persecution that – our believers in our brothers and sisters in Christ in Iran or Syria or North Korea do even through the centuries. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 We've been kind of in a, in a, a bit of a respite here in the last 
couple hundred years in this country mm-hmm. for religious freedom for Christianity, but that's not been the pattern. So, um, yeah, persecution, persecution is going to increase. Suffering is going to increase. Uh, opposition. And so this is not, it's not some Pollyannish. If you think everything's going to be sunshine and lollipops and unicorns and, uh, then when real persecution comes, you're going to be woefully ill prepared for it. Uh, you're, you're not going to be ready, but it, it is coming. It absolutely is coming to this country. And, and Paul says that the time will come when people will no longer endure sound doctrine but will heap to themselves teachers who tickle the ears. Oh, we've seen that big time big over time. the last many decades in America, in the American yeah. church, big time. People just want to get their ears tickled. And and if you, I mean, some maybe people go out and, and they want to give the people what they want. Where is that in the Bible? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's Robert Schuler. that's how he started the yeah, Crystal right. Cathedral. Yeah. He went door to door in Garden Grove, California, Saying, what what would you uh, want in a church? What would you like right. to see? And he built that kind of church. Yeah, and that's what I, his positive possibility thinking theology yes. with Norman Vincent Peale and and Osteen kind of falls under that. Yeah, the the oh, big motivational Rick preacher. Warren. Yeah, you you go out and you ask lost people what they want in a church, which is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. Uh, I don't see Jesus and the apostles doing that. Um, no. And, but yet this is where we are in America, friends. I know we're kind of preaching to the choir here, but I don't want to assume all of our listeners really understand how we got to this place where the biblical worldview has been on such a decline in the body of Christ, in within church walls. So we only have a couple minutes left. I was going to get into some other lyrics on how he blesses us or how God is good to me, how he loves us and does all this for us and he has blessed us justin in the word of god he's given us his word his truth and the promises Mm -hmm. and a hope that cannot fade or or perish and we have such an amazing uh the truth we have the truth and so he has blessed us but i think people put that in the context of this life yeah money job wealth uh finances friends just a, a life free from trials, maybe. He yeah. blesses us in that way. And that's a wrong interpretation of what Scripture teaches about what the Christian life is. Right. Isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, what did, what did Jesus say to Peter uh, right after his resurrection? Uh, Peter, when you were young, you used to gird yourself and go wherever you wish. But when you get old, when you grow older, some you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and take you mm-hmm. where you do not wish to go. And this he said uh, to indicate by what kind of death he would glorify God. Mm. Now put that verse in your prosperity pipe and smoke it. <laughs> you know, that, that is a concept that is foreign to modern Christianity. Yes. But by what kind of death you'll glorify God, mm. that's biblical Christianity. But it's not what we're hearing today. The godly can expect persecution. We will face that. And it's glory be to God. Um, Justin Peters, thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you, David. I, Lord willing, we'll connect on the phone and do this. Would love to. Do this again. Absolutely. Um, so the Rooted Conference is tomorrow. You can register. It's free. It's in Green Bay. Voiceoffaithchurch.com if you want to register and attend at the Cup O' Joy. Oh, my goodness. Thank you guys for tuning in. Next week, Dr. J.B. Hickson. And then we've got Stephen Mann and Mannion and Bill Cook with the Black Robe Regiment. Usama Dakdok on Islam. Uh, Dr. Nathaniel Jensen with Answers in Genesis and Harold Ustick on critical race theory in the public schools and universities. God bless you and keep speaking the truth about things that matter.